How did the spies, who were such great people, handpicked by Moshe for a very specific mission, fail so poorly in that mission? When we learn what led them astray, we'll also learn a tremendously important lesson about keeping ourselves focused so that we align with Torah's message, not with a personally modified version. Commenting on the passage that says, Hashem tells Moshe, you send men to go spy Israel, Amr Chazal. So we well know the Chazal explained, the word lecha, shlach lecha means l'daytacha. Hashem saying, it's your idea, it's on your terms, you go of your own volition, so to speak, Moshe, and send these spies. Which means that David leaves the sending of the spies completely in Moshe's control. Like Rashi tells us, Hashem says, I'm not instructing you to send these spies. Which leads us to a big question with Tzarek Lohoven. Who's Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu, you have a name of Kadosh Baruch Moshe is the most trustworthy servant of Hashem. So then there's no question that if Moshe had the idea to send spies, that must have been because it's a result of the fact that Hashem himself wanted them to have spies. Hashem, Moshe would never do something that's not aligned with Hashem's Ratzin. In fact, look at the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Moshe sent them, which of course indicates that he's the one driving this campaign, by Hashem's direction. With Abish's permission. Hainu, which teaches us, very important positioning statement. The concept of sending spies to, to check out Israel was a good thing, and it was something Hashem wanted. And then it went awry. But conceptually, it was a good thing. Look how the Ramban explains it. He says, this is what you got to do. You have to do it. The normal way of conquering a land is, first you send reconnaissance to check out the land, and then you know what to do. Your spies are there to determine what is the most, the most, uh, the path of least resistance, the easiest and best way to be able to conquer the land. Seeing as we are instructed not to rely on miracles, and therefore we are then responsible to prepare ourselves for a normal, natural war. Therefore, Moshe agrees, yes, we have to send Miraglim, it is the correct thing to do. It's what Hashem wants. If that's true, so then why didn't Hashem just say, send spies? Why did he leave it up to Moshe's decision? Without giving just a direct instruction, send the spies. It's not a bad thing. Do it. That's our one question. There's another important question. We also need to understand, let's analyze the caliber of these people who are the Miraglim. Rashi. Rashi tells us that at the time of their dispatch, they were good people. They were aligned with the right values. And even if you didn't know that from the Pasuk, it's self-evident in just normal logic. Considering that these are 12 men hand-picked by Moshe himself, clearly they weren't just good people, they would have been the very best people out of the entire nation for this mission. So then how does it go so pear-shaped? How can you have people who are so aligned and then they go to the opposite extreme? 
מן הקוצה לקוצה, עד שלא איזה בלבד שלא ימילוס השליחוס כדבוי, to the extent that not only did they not fulfill their mission in the best way possible, אלא אף הביאו על ידי זה על יסוד בכי אל הדורס, but they brought calamity on the Jewish people, a date that would forever be a date of mourning till Mashiach comes. So why doesn't Hashem tell Moshe to do it? Because if Moshe is doing it, it's obviously aligned with what Hashem wants. And how did these miraglim fall to pieces so dramatically? In order to understand that, let's look at the two purposes of the mission. We do find the purpose of this mission to go spy out the land of Israel effectively had two objectives. Number one, find out the technical details that are needed to strategize how you conquer the land. You see that in the Pasuk, you should see in the land, are they strong people in strong cities? Are they people who are a large population, a small population? Do they camp together? Are they spread out? Etc. Those are all strategic questions because the first objective of the mission is how do we go about conquering this land? And then the second objective was, find out details about the nature of the land itself. As we see, is it a good land? Is it a bad land? Is it a lush land? Etc. That element of finding out how beautiful and amazing the land is was so central to the mission to the extent that Moshe said, you actually have to risk your life in order to bring back samples to show us how good the land is. Moshe instructed these spies, strengthen yourselves, and take samples of the fruit of the land. Needless to say, when they start picking fruits, they'll be exposing themselves to danger. Firstly, the people will realize, obviously, that they're spies, and then, of course, we know what's going to happen next. And yet, for some reason, it was so integral to their mission that they had to bring back this fruit that Moshe tells them, you've got to be strong about it and willing to take the risks of bringing back the fruit. Why? It doesn't really seem to make sense. Who needs the fruit? Yes, we know the principle that seeing something with your, eye, with your own eyes is much more compelling than just hearing about it. And now it wouldn't be hearsay about how beautiful the land is that actually have samples. So yes, Hashem had already promised them this is a good land, a broad, wide open land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Those were all things that they had heard. Plus, who was the audience who heard it? Not just skeptics. The Jewish people are people with ingrained emunah, faith in Hashem. If this is what Hashem says, we're going to believe it. The truth is, they didn't really need major faith. They were living in a neighboring country in Egypt. Surely they knew what was going on in Israel. Still, Of course, all of that faith and all of that belief and all the stories that they had heard would never match actually seeing the magnificent fruit of Eretz Yisrael, something they had never experienced before. Which, of course, would have given them so much more excitement and joy about going into Eretz Yisrael. And then, they would go to Israel in a joyous fashion. Okay, so we get the value. Even though there is value, is that value so critical that you're willing to risk the life, the lives of your spies to get that extra oomph of going into Israel? 
doesn't seem to make sense until we realize that actually this story of the spies is a template for all of Judaism. Judaism is not expected to be simply blind faith. Yes, it's built on faith, but there's also supposed to be an integration of those faith principles into our reality. So we're going to look at one of the explanations for this, which is exactly that. We know very well that the foundation upon which the entire dedication to Torah is, first Naseh, commit ourselves to do what Hashem wants, and then Nishma, find out the details. Even though that is the great accolade of the Jewish people, we were ready to do what Hashem wanted, even without the details, but that doesn't mean we ignore the details, we still need Nishma. We still have to have the Nishma. The word Nishma doesn't just mean we'll hear the details. It means we'll integrate and understand the details. Like we see with Shmuel Hanavi when he gets his first new voice, he says, speak because I am listening. I'm ready to absorb what it is that you have to say. So an axiom of Judaism is you build it on faith and then you translate it into rational understanding and appreciation. If that's true for the whole of Judaism, it's equally true about being prepared to go into Israel. Yes, Hashem had told them everything that they needed to know about how beautiful and wonderful this land was going to be. But Ebeshter doesn't want us just to take it on his uh, on his uh, uh, selling it to us or, or his recommendation. He wants us to actually work it out for ourselves, see it for ourselves, integrate it for ourselves, resonate with it for ourselves. That's why Moshe says one of the critical things you have to do is bring back fruits that will make it real for the people. In order that the motivation the Jews would have to enter to, to Eretz would be not just because we're following Hashem's instructions, which would be valuable in its own right. That we're going to follow what Hashem says with blind faith. Moshe wanted a deeper level of experience. That they would resonate with the experience of going into Eretz Yisrael and it would be attractive to them as individuals. That they, in their minds and intellect, would be able to understand that they personally would have a vested interest in Eretz Yisrael. They personally would feel that it is a beautiful, magnificent land that they want to be part of. Therefore, it's critical that you bring back something that's going to do that for them, give them that personal attachment to the land. And we can extrapolate the same thinking to the first part of their mission, which is to work out the strategies of what are, in fact, the best approaches to use in order to conquer this land. Why does David need us to work out a strategy? He's going to conquer those inhabitants of Canaan. Why do we have to have a strategy? that we should be able to see and clarify in our own heads that we're able to do this. It should be personal. It should be resonant to talk to us. Now let's expand it out to the broader question. That's actually the reason that Hashem did not instruct us to send those spies. It had to be something we worked out. Because the whole theme over here is that our relationship with, the, with Eretz Yisrael and our thrust to go to Eretz Yisrael should be driven by ourselves. The purpose of sending the spies is to get the Jewish people to a point where they hear it, they get it, they own it, 
They want to go to Eretz Yisrael. It's theirs. It's not just tagging along with what Hashem says. So therefore, then the way that those spies get set up in the first place should also be their concept, their idea, or at least Moshe's idea. Should be you send spies. Why? Because our minds dictate that we should have spies. And not just because it is yet another instruction that Hashem says, and of course we're going to follow Hashem's instructions. The objective over here is to deepen our experience, not just to do what we're told, but to relate to what we're told to do. Ah, so the whole premise of sending the spies to Israel is to use the human mind, to align the human mind with Hashem's objective. That means we're giving a lot of scope to the human mind to process and possibly to make a mistake. That explains how these Miraglim, who started off, they started off as ideal candidates for the job. And yet, they could have fallen apart in such a terrible way to the extent that they believed and shared with the community, actually, we won't be able to go into Eretz Israel. How could that happen? Well, because there's a risk in telling people, don't just rely on blind faith, work it out for yourself. They might work it out wrong. Because the entire purpose of their mission was to integrate the concept of the value of Israel and the ability to conquer Israel into their own understanding. They had to... They had to uh, investigate and they had to work out the process of conquering the land in a rational way. Well, once you're invoking the rational mind, the rational mind can make mistakes as theirs did. Look, everything that they reported back, both about the land and about the inhabitants, which was Azha'om, it's a powerful nation, and the giants there, that was all factual. They didn't lie. Even their conclusion that it is impossible to conquer that land, which meant that there is no natural process by which we could conquer such a mighty nation. is all absolutely rational. And they were asked to be rational, so they did that. So in their minds, they have fulfilled their mission. Mission objective is work out rationally how we go about conquering this land, getting all the information that you can on the ground. They go, they collate all of that information, and then they say, well, based on all the information, actually we can't conquer it, Israel. Mission accomplished in their minds. So what did they do wrong? What they did wrong was that their mistake was to arrive at a mission conclusion. Their objective was gather intel. They're not the generals. They're not the people running the show. It's not for them to decide whether or not we go ahead with us. Their job is to collect intel. They did that. But the fact that they, they made a public conclusion that we cannot conquer this land, nobody asked you for a conclusion. Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe never asked them, come back to me with an analysis of whether or not this land is something we could conquer. He had only given them a mission which was to find out the easiest way to conquer it. There was no option of not conquering. They inserted that option in their status report. 
The other Rabbi, in fact, when you really think about it, Moshe wanted the exact opposite. The fact that Moshe was, so to speak, confident enough to send them to check out the land, as Rashi says, you know, the person is confident, says, go ahead, check the item, I, don't, I have nothing to hide. The fact that he asked them to go work out what's the, what is his wording, what is the best way to conquer the land, that implies that it's obviously possible and I just want you to report back on how. Because think about it logically. If the objective was that they would conquer Eretz Yisrael in a completely supernatural way, well then why would you send spies? The purpose of the spies is to find out how this success will come through us. So therefore, when they add those extra words, no, we're not going to be able to conquer the land. Not only are they now adding an element that they were not asked to perform, they've actually gone against their shlichus. Your mission is, find out how to do this. How can you come back and say, you cannot? That's not your shlichus. It's the opposite of your shlichus. So we get then what the spies did wrong. What's the lesson for us? Torah comes from a word that implies everything is a lesson. Which indicates The Torah wants to guide us on how we could avoid repeating an error like the Meraglim made. What's the way to avoid that error? Look at the name of the parasha. We call this parasha shlach, which is a word that depicts that you are somebody's representative, you're on a mission on somebody else's behalf. So a Jewish person has to know that even when the particular avoider that I'm supposed to be doing for Hashem right now is that I'm supposed to be using my mind to analyze and to understand rationally, relative to your mind, your way of thinking, resonate with it on, on a personal level, which we're all required to do in every area of Judaism. We have to inculcate it into ourselves. It shouldn't be superimposed on us. It should be our lives. We have to consistently remember the only reason we're getting into that level of exploration and detail is because we represent Moshe. Not because I have a personal need or yearning because I have to understand and it's got to make sense to me. Because that's, this is the way the Ebishna wants it. The Ebishna created us with a brain. He wants us to use the brain. He wants us to align the brain with his intentions. It's got nothing to do with personal need. I need to understand. When a person keeps that focus, then a person would be guaranteed, not only will they not fail in actually doing what they're supposed to do, but they won't fail either in knowing and understanding and appreciating what they need to appreciate. As long as we keep our heads and realize we are here to fulfill what Hashem wants from us, that will lead us to the correct rational decisions. So how does intellect work? The objective of Seichel is to find the truth about anything, the objective truth about anything, through exploration, research, investigation, questioning, etc., until we get the actual truth. To get to the actual truth, a person has to make sure that they remove any preconceptions or bias. Because if I look at something through the lens of bias, I won't see the truth. I have to move away from me and my preconceptions towards the subject 
and its objective truth. So if I invest my mind into the understanding of something, because I enjoy it, I enjoy the academic experience, then I'm not protected from bias. And if it's all about me and I love learning and I enjoy it and it's so deep and it's so meaningful, well then I'm at risk of taking the objective truth and molding it to suit my worldview. Trying to package the Torah in human terms, making God in the image of man. This is one of the experiences of what the Torah calls bribery. About which the Torah warns us. Bribery blinds the eyes even of wise people. And corrupts the words of righteous people. That doesn't make sense. The Torah, which is honest. Absolute honesty, absolute truth tells us we're talking of here about truly wise people and truly righteous people. If that's how the Torah describes them, they definitely are genuine chachamim and genuine tzadikim. How could they be people who are susceptible to bribery? How could that ever happen? Ah, bribery is more subtle than we, than we think. Bribery is... It's not just getting a handout under the table or somebody doing you a favor, which then prompts you to say something that's an outright lie. Any time that a person is not looking at, an, at a concept purely objectively, any time that a person is looking at a concept through the lens of their own persona, their ego, their preconceptions, their, their bias, that is bribery. I'm bribing myself to see it the way I want to see it. That will preclude a person from being able to understand something as it truly is. And that's what happened to the Miraglim. That's what caused the mistake and therefore the collapse of the Miraglim. What were they missing? They were lacking in that absolute surrender to Moshe and the mission. They didn't feel that we are understanding and comprehending and processing the, everything to do with the land because that was, that's what Moshe told us, because that's what Hashem wants. They thought it's because what we need. So they slipped in a bias. As soon as they were conscious of their own ego and existence, well, then you see big, powerful giants. It makes you afraid because it's all about me. It actually makes you feel like you're a small little locust. And that becomes the bias that corrupts the person's processing until they become so corrupt that they say, we actually cannot, we cannot, we cannot go. It's not possible. We cannot enter this land. But as long as the person remembers, I am not here in my personal capacity. I am here as a shliach representative. And to be a true shaliach means I am like the person who's sending me. In other words, I don't have a personal say, personal perspective, personal expectation. The whole of me is all about the mission and the one who's sending that mission. And we're not talking about an ordinary shaliach. 
Here we're talking about being a shliach of Moshe and the Moshe in every generation. Moshe represents absolute unwavering integrity and truth. That means to be a true shliach, which every one of us is intended to be, means we remain unwaveringly committed to integrity and truth of the, of the mission and of the message. This is what the Torah says, that's immutable. Which means we don't spend time on the mission thinking about ourselves. We're just conscious of the fact I am currently executing Moshe's shlichus. Ah, if you can have that attitude, then you're immune to bias. And then you can fulfill your mission of spying out the land or whatever that equates to in us doing how do I best do what Hashem wants for us to understand it truly and completely and understand and appreciate and appreciate that the land Hashem is giving us is the most beautiful, best land possible which empowers us to actually go out and conquer the land in all its full borders and not only the current borders but even the promised borders of the future where Hashem will expand Israel with the coming of Mashiach immediately what's the message? we all have a shlichus that we're supposed to be following the shlichus is to conquer the world in which we live and turn it into something of holiness very often we feel that cannot be done the message of the Miraglim is we have to remember we're shluchim we're not doing this on our own steam we're shluchim of Moshe Rabbeinu therefore stop worrying about our bias do what the mission requires find out how to succeed and then we will succeed and bring Mashiach immediately